What's going on, people? Welcome back for episode 9 of The Second Floor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Yusuf, along with my boy, Kenny and Omid. We gather here every week to learn how to survive, how to thrive, and how to keep the good vibes in life and business. Kenny, it is time to elevate to the second floor. Who do we got with us, man? Well, Yusuf, thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. Today, I'm super excited to bring on board Marek Komar. Marek is a mental performance consultant. He seeks to understand one fundamental question, and that is, what is holding you back from performing at your best? From his own experience as a high-level competitive athlete, he understood that for him, it was mental toughness. This has led him to study the complex, complex inner workings of the mind, completing a kinesiology degree, specializing in sports performance from the University of Alberta, earning him a Master of Medical Science, specializing in sports psychology from Lund University in Sweden. As well, he is a Master of Sports Science in Diagnostics and Intervention from Leipzig University in Germany. I hope I'm saying that right. He is also a certified consultant and a professional member of the Canadian Sports Psychology Association. So this is a man who is highly educated with a dual master's degree and we are super excited to pick his brain. As well, Marek has worked with various individual teams and organizations, including but not limited to sport, helping him to enhance mental performance and group dynamics. His driving purpose is to help others understand and overcome their barriers in pursuit of peak performance and actual self-actualization. I'm super excited today to talk to Marek about mindfulness and how you could actually tune into that. So ladies and gentlemen, our guest of the show, you're about to go for a ride because we're about to dig deep and get into Marek's brain. Here we go. All right. Wow, thank you for that introduction. That's uh, pretty amazing. Um, usually used to being on uh, you know, the other end of the, the questions here, so I'm pretty excited to, to be here. So thanks so much for having me here. So Thank you for Not being here. No problem. Yeah. Well, Mark, thank you for coming today. First thing I want to ask you is why did you choose sports psychology? What is it that really interests you the most about what you're specialized in? Yeah, definitely. Um, so as most people kind of tend to go into psychology, they usually have some problems with themselves that they kind of get into it. Uh, so I kind of grew up playing soccer. That was my sport kind of growing up. And I always kind of struggled with uh, the mental game. I never was, could never be as confident and, and deal with the, the anxiety that comes with stress and, and performance in, in high-level environments. And so I was like, technically, I was, I was decent enough, but just mentally, I was never kind of quite there. And I was introduced, my, my brother's a high-level tennis player, he played for U of A. And when I was around 14, I think he introduced me to my first um, sports psychology book or some my first intro to sports psychology is called the inner game of tennis which i recommend to everyone not only if you're interested in tennis or not but it's an awesome book that kind of got me into got me thinking about the mental side of the game um and so that kind of helped a, a bit for, for a little while but it's still kind of and it was never fully to that potential where i thought i was going to kind of perform at i always thought always that that mental side was always kind of lacking but regardless, I still, after high school, I actually went to, I went to abroad to, to, to Europe to play for a little bit for a youth team. Uh, and to start off okay, you know, I actually scored from, on my first game there, and I was, I was pretty excited. Uh, but eventually, my, my teammates and me kind of quite accept me. I didn't understand, like, this, they didn't understand, okay, this new guy's coming in, trying to maybe take our spot. And mm-hmm. They didn't really kind of want didn't, to, I didn't feel like, like I fit in. Uh, the coach... To understand, maybe I need a little more time to adjust to a new environment. I was a new guy, even though it was the, the same country. I mean, uh, the country was Poland, so my, my family's from Poland. I actually went to Poland to play. So, you know, I was Poland. I was still somewhat of an outsider because I grew up most of my life here. 
Um, and so my confidence went down result, as a result and it triggered a lot of the things that I kind of struggled, I struggled with in the past. And then so obviously as confidence goes down, performance goes down because confidence is the one predictor of success in, in any field. And so I couldn't perform the way I wanted to. And then uh, I remember I was telling this to Kenny even on the, before we kind of started this podcast, how I remember this vividly. I was in the, in the locker room of my last, I was actually got demoted to a, I was playing so badly, I got demoted to the reserve team of the youth team. So I was playing with the younger guys. So my ego took a hit there. Um, and then so at halftime, I was in the locker room. And then the coach just straight up said to me, okay, Mark, uh, you're, you, you're sucking right now. I'm going to take you off. I'm going to get some new guy in. And I just stood there and I just sat there in the locker room and everyone left for the, for the second half. And I just sat there by myself in the locker room thinking, wow, I gotta, maybe this is not for me. Maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Maybe mm-hmm. something's kind of wrong with me. And I, I literally just, just left. I left that locker room. I walked away. Uh, and then that's kind of the start of, you know, I was in a position where, okay, uh, this is probably not for me and I need to find a new path in my life. And, and I realized, you know, I want to help people not kind of go through that. Mm. I want to help other athletes and, and people to, to cope with, with life and performance and have these skills to kind of to go to, you know, deal with these kind of situations, right? So that's my kind of how I got into, you know, sports psychology. And now I'm trying to help athletes kind of get out of their own way and, and perform at the very best, right? Just going back to that question, what's really holding you back from performing at your best? And maybe it's physical, maybe it's technical, but a lot of times it's, it's just mental. Level, right? Of course. Yeah. I find that interesting because when you look at a situation like that, I'm wondering how much you're measuring how low of a point that was for you, mm. right? Because, you know, when I'm listening to this, maybe it was the first time you had experienced that type of failure, or maybe mm. this was like the last straw kind of mm-hmm. thing. So just for our audience, what do you think, uh, in terms of how you viewed that, how, how low of a point was that for you to be in that locker room to f- and to feel like you got demoted? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good insight. I definitely had moments in my past where I failed. I played failed many times. I can count on three hands how many times I got cut from a team, right? So I had those moments where, you know, I've quote-unquote failed. But it's definitely, I think, it's more of like kind of a last draw kind of thing and where that doubt kind of accumulated in that one moment in time and it kind of got me to that low point. But at the same time, that low point led me to so many different things, open up a whole different world, of course, which which wouldn't happen otherwise. And this is something I could talk about, talk about with my athletes all the time is, you know, you should use fear and failures as, as a compass, right? It, it always leads you to something kind of something you never even thought about before. So don't define yourself as one certain thing. Cause I define myself as a, as an athlete for, for too long. And every time, you know, I made a mistake on the field, I define that I correlated that with me being a bad person. Wow. Right. So that mm-hmm. was, that was, that was a heavy, heavy burden for, yeah. for, for 17, 18 year old to, to kind of carry yeah, it. At a right? Young age. right. And so it's, that's interesting. So then when you look at it like that, Marek, how would you assess, especially from your educational background, how do you assess how one learns from their losses? And I want to start with that first, or even if you want to compare that to how one learns from their wins, like how detrimental is it uh, from your perspective and how do you handle that uh, from, from the perspective as a coach and from a you know sports psychologist consultant? Yeah. If you have an athlete that you're dealing with and they, they had a big loss, but you know they have so much potential yeah. and they have so much riding on for them, uh, how can you better guide them to ensure that they can learn from that loss? Mm-hmm. I think it's just changing your relationship with, with, with losses and fear. Right? It's, just, it's finding a different way, knowing that everything, all the losses we, we, we you know, partake in, is it, there's usually a lesson involved with it. 
you know, mm-hmm. it's the cliche, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, uh, failed, you know, over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeeded. And, and this is true. Maybe it's not true at the, at the time of the failure. Yeah. Right. And it's more, a lot of it is dealing with the athlete. If it's, you know, that moment, maybe they lost, you know, by tenths of a second in a hundred meter race. And of course, they're going to be, you know, devastated. So giving them that space to process it. But having the work done beforehand to understand, okay, there's, I have a, I have a toolbox that I can kind of reach into and then, and then cope with the situation. So having a, instead of my mind going to the default of, oh, no, I suck, I can't do this, this is not made for me, you have a, a, a pre-planned kind of routine where you can kind of work your way through these, these lessons. And, then, and so for, 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 for coaches is, is building that environment for, you know, failure is completely okay. Like the worst you can do for, for environment, workplace or sport is, is, is to, to be afraid to make mistakes. Right, that's a, such a toxic environment to be in. Mm-hmm. Everyone's more tense. No one wants to, to to experiment and then try new things. Right, so having an environment where losses are completely okay, and then through that, ironically, you get so much more kind of power and, and, and space to breathe. First of all, and then just, cool. just to just like perform. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's like when you go into game day or when you go into you know competition mode, sort of telling yourself that all right, you know what, win or lose. I'm doing this because I love it. Win or lose, I'm doing this for the fun of it. I'm not going to put put it at such a high pedestal. Is that sort of what you're getting at? Yeah. Here? So I mean, as you probably know, as a, as as an athlete, you know, per, you need to be perfectionist to a degree. Like you, to get to a certain level, you need to be perfectionist, right? But there's comes to a point where it becomes maladaptive. So there's two types of perfectionism. We have adaptive perfectionism and we have maladaptive. So maladaptive perfectionist, you know, sets super high standards for themselves. But they get pissed off at themselves a lot if they don't make a certain, you know, goal. Yeah. The adaptive perfectionist, you know, sets high standards, but understands, hey, sometimes the cookie crumbles this way, right? I'm not going to get pissed off for things I can't control, right? So I can learn to to let go of that still push for those standards, so you can get come to a place where you're 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 devastated with the result, but delighted with your performance, right? The only thing you can control, and this is, I, if you have to boil down boil down sports psychology, is you know things you can't control and things you can't control. And there's such a, a power of knowing that, you know, there's so many things I just cannot control. You know, I can't control 100% we're going to win the game. There's, there's other competitors. The coach decides when who's going to start or not. You know, there's weather. There's so many other things that are just beyond your control. So many we're, we're spending so much cognitive and, and physical energy trying to control those things. Now, do you think that comes with experience as an athlete or as a, you know, a professional? Like, do you, do you think that to get to that mind state where, you still are striving for perfection, but yet not clinging on to the, the result and being de- devastated for a long period of time and having that refractory period of, you know, devastation, depression, whatever an athlete yeah. goes through. Do you think that comes with experience and going through many, many, many failures? Like you said, you had many, many failures yourself. And now, you know, maybe you're at a point where, you know, the, the losses don't hit you as much. Now, do you feel it's the same way as with athletes? Do you think they need to go through essentially hell? to get to that point or is there are there ways to to get through it yeah no it's a, that's a great comment i think at the end of the day to get the experience you have to have the experience right there's no you have to go in experienced athletes they know this because they, they've been through all these things and they have a, a way that to kind of train themselves but it's it's also beneficial to train a younger athlete who hasn't been through those situations to to have a certain toolbox and then prepare them for that inevitable loss because it's going to come. You're going to lose. You're going to get injured. You're going to do all these sorts of things. It's going to happen. Hmm. It's not a it, you know, matter of, you know, you know uh, if it's going to happen. It's going to win. Right? So preparing them and having them create a support network for them to kind of to, to talk about those things. And then sort of those experience athletes are play such a crucial role of understanding, hey, like I've been through this. Let me, let me support you in this. 
Of course. Yeah. Mm. I find that very interesting because I, I always can't help but when I, when I hear about these certain comments, even as you were asking, Omid, I, I find an answer for myself too. And it's like when a student of mine who's gearing up for a tournament in kickboxing, they'll ask me, coach, you know, I don't want to get hit. So what is the best way to not get hit? And it's inevitable that in the sport we play, yeah. you're going to get hit. Yeah. And let's say they go, oh, I, I don't like the feeling of getting hit. And I don't know what it's like. And it, the, the anxiety kicks in. Right. And I say, listen, we're not going to train you in a way where we're going to make you get hit and oh, suck it up. It's just more so we're going to put you in this position and we're going to have you expect there's that expectation that no matter how good you do, there might be a point where the other fighter is fighting just as hard to go after your face. It's going to happen. So just expect that this might happen, but don't let it get to you. So like, like don't let that drive your, your, your ego so low that you're now going to have your performance get affected. Because you know what the first thing I see is, is when I'm gearing up these people who've never sparred in their life, never done it, and they're, they're willing, right? They're ready to take that stepping stone, mm -hmm. get to the next floor. Second floor. Yeah, yeah exactly, there, there it is. There it is. <laughs> so they're willing to go to the second floor and be able to compete. And when I see them get hit for the first time, immediately defeat. Like defeat is in their eyes, some of them stop. And I, and I have to train them right then and there. I say, no, 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 keep going. Keep going, you just got hit, don't show it. Because if you show that, what is that gonna tell the ref? Yeah. What is that gonna tell your opponent? That they got you, right? So long as you can start training yeah. your mind and your body to not get affected well, by it. Well, defining themselves by, you know, you're asking me what sport you're playing. You're in a combat sport. Mm -hmm. You're supposed yeah. to not get hit. You know, get down to the basic. Why do you define yourself as someone who's not going to get hit, mm. right? And this is a crucial role where, where coaches come in and where they, they get, a lot of coaches get this model wrong. They, there's, there's a support model and challenge model where a lot of coaches just challenge without having support. A good coach supports first and then challenges. Yeah. Gives them the belief, hey, I, I know you can do this. I, I know you, I have the belief in you that you're good enough, but I know you can do better. You can do this instead of the other way around where you're just criticizing this athlete thinking that he's going to do better. He's already in his, in his or her head already too much, right? So true. You don't want to add more things to overthink. Yeah. Support them and to, to create the right environment for it, for wow. their right? trained. I know it's case by case, Mark, and this makes me want to ask you. So if you're, if you're willing to share, great. If not, I understand if it's confidential. But when it comes to certain athletes, could you speak to a certain one that you've ever uh, spoken to? And I'm sure you don't have to mention their name or anything, but maybe their experience. If they've been so strongly affected by what their coaches told them and maybe it's maybe there's that 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 built up animosity they have and and there's that feeling of of them having to perform at their best because they're scared that their coach might get inside their head and say oh you 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 didn't perform the way i expected do you feel like there's ever pressure for more so from the coach putting it on to the athlete as opposed to the athlete putting it on themselves. Yeah, for sure. I see this all the time. And this is not only coaches, also parents. All, mm. I'd say 70 to 80% of my youth athletes, you know, like, you know, 16 and younger, it's that the parent or the coaches should be in the session. If, it's, if, if you're that young and you're, and, you're, and, you're, and, you're, and you're so anxious, it's usually because of some sort of the environment yeah. that happens. Right? And, and so it's all about understanding the coach needs to uh, going back to what 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 athlete I can I can talk about is I remember uh, there's one um, basketball athlete who went up to me and said like oh, I'm just so angry like, how do I stop kind of being angry about this coach you know because just creating such a pressure filled mm -hmm. environment for yeah. me and I'm like first of all like stop trying to stop being angry like that's just, like that's a normal human emotion to have. Yeah. Right, and we so so we dealt with two 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 sides of that. So we dealt with the the own individual. Because I can't control the 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 coach. I can't control the parent because there's some parent stuff involved with that too. 
I can't control. I can't go up to the parent and say, "Stop being yeah. that parent." Yeah. Kind of thing. Like I can't be that guy, yeah. right? So I have to, I have, to learn, have the athlete kind of learn these skills and cope with the controllables and uncontrollables. And then also, you know, if I'm working with uh, you know the coach, understanding, you know, you're such a huge. You can either demoralize an athlete completely, or you can build them up. Right? You're such a, a, a crucial element of, of an athlete's performance. Just one thing you can tell them, like, "Hey, you got this," and it feels so much better. Like I was always a type of athlete. I needed to pat on the back. I was n- I never thrived in pressure filled environments. I needed the coach to tell me, "Hey, you're doing okay. Keep going." Course, yeah. If I got no feedback. I'm like, "Okay, I don't know what's going on, kind of going on." And yeah. I got in my head too much. Mm-hmm. Right? Some athletes maybe they need a little push. They they like that challenge, right? But not, and not every, everyone's different, right? And that's where the art of coaching comes in. Where it's understanding, "Hey, this is my team. Not everyone. There's no one size fits all. It's a lot harder to do, right? But they're taking so much." More. That's neat. And let's say you know to segue into that as far as that mentality goes from the moment they. They, they bring to you right off the bat to first assessment. How would you combat with someone who, let's say, is in a similar situation? They go to you and they go, you know what, Mark? No, that's just it. Is I, I need to prove my coach wrong. Mm-hmm. I need to prove my parents wrong that I'm worthy. Mm-hmm. What do you think is wrong with that mentality mm-hmm. from your perspective if, if that was what you got? When someone's saying that they need to prove somebody wrong and it's, it's coming with this like this negative annotation. Mm-hmm. Like, do you, though, first of all, think that's a healthy mentality to have mm-hmm. for an athlete? Or, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts as far as how you would take that mentality and, and bring it somewhere where they could put more positive energy mm-hmm. into it? That's, that's, that's what it is. Like, it's it's not necessarily wrong, per se. It's, there's, it's how you channel that, that energy. I mean, there's, there's benefits to to having a mentality. I'm going to prove someone wrong. And you see this in, in top performers all the time. They usually have something kind of beyond themselves that they kind of latch onto. So you can get the success by you know trying to prove these things and kind of being really hypercritical critical to yourself, but you might not like yourself along the way. And that's yeah. the big thing within those perfections, right? You can you can you can be down yourself like oh I should have done better I'm, I'm should be perfect perfect all these sorts of things. You can, you see top athletes like that all the time like they they got that level like the the Williams sisters right they're a perfect example of that, right? But there's you might not like yourself along the way and then that comes with problems down the road. You can still get to the success by people more compassionate to yourself and there's, there's really cool research now on, on self-compassion how that kind of helps your, your performance like how would you kind of help a friend in that situation right if I, I'll ask that athlete you know I have to prove you know to my parents but I'll ask them like how, if your friend your best friend had the exact same situation like how would you you know approach that how would you what would you, what would you tell them yeah probably mm-hmm. tell them to, hey just be okay it's okay right yeah. just start finding ways to, to, to prove it to yourself right exactly and that's why we, we in that situation I usually like to take a step back and just really Let's get to the core of that, you know, lots of why questions. Yeah. Keep pushing why. Like, why do you want to prove that to Absolutely. And they'll, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll play around with it. They'll, you know, have some surface level answers to that. But you still keep digging. Why? Why do you really want to prove that? Like, what is it about that? Do you work with athletes on developing the why? Like, is that part of what you also do? Like, you'll sit down with somebody and you'll say, okay, well, what is the why that you're doing this? Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts of uh, uh, the job is... Uh, and I mean, Kenny kind of talked about this. I have a model like the MPP model. So I have a mission, my purpose, and my philosophy. And I kind of sit down with the athletes. And the mission is the what. You know, so what do you want to accomplish? And then you have the why. That's the purpose. You know, what's the kind of the, the why behind that certain mission? And then the philosophy is the how are you going to live that? Like, for example, for, for myself, I have this like on my phone, uh, my, my screen back. And my mission is you know, to help others uh, in their pursuit of flow and self-actualization and then my purpose behind that, and why do I want to do that? So my, that's my what, my why behind this is because I want to master the mental game. 
Maybe if you want to, you know, sh peel that onion a little bit more, maybe because I want to master my own my own mental game, my own kind of struggles with it. And maybe you can keep kind of going back and keep pulling that thread until you maybe hit a, a wall. And okay, that's it. That's that's my my purpose, my why. Mm -hmm. It's all about kind of peeling peeling back those those layers until mm -hmm. it's, it's like yes, that's that's my my why, and it becomes so much more organic and. And it's the more you're, 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 if you can answer your why, if someone's in the, in the back alley, a gun to your head, and you have to explain your philosophy or your why, if you can bring it down to one or two words, then you're super clear. Like, you, you've got to go and you know exactly what you want. Of course. But if, it's, if you don't know what's kind of going on, then you're kind of living in limbo. The more yeah. you have the why down, the better your performance is going to be. So what's usually for an athlete or for anyone, I guess, for that purpose, what's usually the first place to start looking for that why? Because you said, you know, how you start peeling, but... I'm sure a lot of people um, and will struggle with the fact that, like, where do I start? Like, what do I need to focus on to start peeling? Like, what do, you know, the starting point? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, some, it depends on the athletes. Some athletes, you know, it takes a little while, and some, some, some athletes just have lied to themselves and are really honest, right? And it's all just, at first, in any relationship, any, it's all about the rapport I have with the athlete first, like developing that first. You know, have them. Athletes don't know what 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 you know until you know they know that you care. Yeah. Right. So develop that that empathy. Develop that, and it's just just riff like just having conversations like this. Like I'm not clinical in nature. That's not my my, my training. And I don't. You know, it's all about just having normal conversations. I have a professor. This is a little tangent, but I had a professor newly who told me, who told the class that his best session was a with an athlete where was at the bar and having after a beer yes. right because their inhibitions are lowered and mm -hmm. you know there's ethical stuff beside that but i mean um but that's that's just true because you're just your inhibitions are lowered but it's all about for them to explore themselves and i was telling them right off the bat like i will never understand you completely you know yourself better than anyone else in, anyone else in this world it's not my job to tell you who you are and what your why is i mean just me i'm just mirror for yourself let me just ask let's move around some of these questions and then see see if i can challenge you at some points so maybe i see i see maybe that you're stuck or maybe yeah. you're avoiding some, some sort of question, right? And yeah, and you can probably tell from when you ask these questions, you can probably tell from their behavior, kind of uh, just kind of how they are, you know, maybe they're touching, you know, they get nervous eh? or whatever the case, you can probably tell, hey, like when you're going through a session. Well, with I wouldn't say I like, I'm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't never call myself an expert in that and say like, I know just because someone, someone did that, I know like they're hiding something that's, that's just, I think a lot of people who say that are kind of, you know, full of crap and they think they can understand someone just by looking at them. Yeah. Uh, right? so <laughs> I can you, read your mind. Yeah, exactly. And, and, that, and that creates a barrier too that people they get nervous because of oh, what they think I'm trying to pry your mind yeah. kind of thing. Right? Mm. But it's, it's not that. Hey, let's just, just have a conversation and see where it takes us. Let's see if you can get to know yourself a little better. And that's just, that's the foundation. It's building that self-awareness. That's my key component. Building, how can I, how can you know yourself a little bit better? And the more you know yourself, know you, the more you know your what, your why, how you're going to do it the better your performance is going to be. Because no matter what goal you have, it's always in line with your core values. Right? Because you know exactly why. And, if, and especially in those setbacks and those times are tough, you come back to your why. So I lost, I do these things, but hey, why am I doing this? Because there's something, there's a long-term value associated with yeah. it. And it's a lot more clear. It's so neat. I find that we're really bringing attention to this now because we had a very similar conversation last time with our last guest about the why, right? And just to speak more with what you're saying, Mark, is... Do you find that athletes are generally honest with you right out of the gate when they meet with you? Or do you find that you have to really work on building a relationship with them first prior to them actually telling the honest truth about mm -hmm. what you're asking them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Every athlete is different. And I find fighters are usually the most honest, right? Yeah. Because they know <laughs> they, 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 it's, 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 it's you, 
them and themselves in the ring, and they, they have to be honest. If you're not honest, you you in the in the face, kind of cliche, right? Yeah. Right. So and then it all depends on the athlete, and sometimes you got to work your way around it and come back to it, and you make notes and you, you try to flag certain things, like oh, they mentioned this a couple times, and it seems like they're avoiding this, and you kind of come back to that. But again, I'm not looking to be more to be super clinical. Like I don't care about you know your 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 past or how your your upbringing is all about. Hey, what's what's it like now moving forward? What are you bringing to the table right now? Like I don't care about what what happened in the past. You can talk about you can point fingers and keep pulling those layers back as much as you want, but that like uh that you still got to move forward. Like one thing that uh, in a lot of like therapeutic sessions, that's uh, the metaphor is like you know a ship at bay. You know there's an anchor holding the ship. A lot of times, like, therapy will help you, you know, pull up those anchors, which are great. But the, at the end of the day, the ship still needs to sail forward. Right? That's kind of where my kind of roles and role comes in is, hey, how can I set those sails for you a little bit better? Mm-hmm. Right? Those anchors, you know, you can, there's, there's ways to, if you want to go, well, you know, explore that a little bit further, then that can refer you to some people. But it's, it's focused on right now and moving forward. Yeah. Or some tangible skills you can use to move forward. That's neat. Right? Be, being in the position you are now, you know, working with Pivotal Physio, you have the opportunity to work with a lot of high-level elite athletes. It seems to me, you know, you're working with fighters, boxers, even Olympic athletes, sports performance athletes, and basketball as well. You know, you get the opportunity to work with so many different people in different sports. That being said, what is the biggest commonality and issue you're finding with all these athletes you're working with? Do you feel like there's... There's a theme to, to every single one you're working with. Um, if you could speak to that, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a really, really interesting question. Or is it very different? Like, is it case by case? Whatever, we'd love well, to hear about I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of both, right? Every every sport is different. Every every sport comes in with different... Like I mentioned, like fighters, they, they know the parts of the mental game. I don't need to, to, to lecture them or, or trying to get them to buy into it. So other sports, you got to work a little work your way into, you know, breaking down some walls first and think this is something we can do as well. Um, but I mean, the common theme is people, I think, tend to drift off towards the outcome too much. Drifting to all, they're defining themselves or they're looking for something, you know, beyond themselves rather than kind of tuning into what's what's in front of them. And then, and then Kenny, you mentioned this before, like some of your fights, like the best fights you've had where, where you, you notice you drifted off towards, you know, how many games are left? But instead, you brought it back to this just this match. Yeah. Right. And, that, and that's ironic. That's where where, power, where performance comes from because we have our you know our mind and body. If they're disconnected, if, if your mind is drifting off towards the outcome, you're disconnected between you know your mind and body. Mm-hmm. Your mind's over here or in the past, but your body's here. Yeah. So you're, oh no, I'm still fighting. There's a couple minutes left. You know, I'm I'm gonna lose this. Oh no, my gold medal's on the line. You're drifting not there anymore. Right. So and then and that's all about reminding athletes, hey, come back to this place. Come back to now. And then. And that's where peak performance happens. This is where my, my one of my, my favorite topics is, is flow, right? So being in, in the moment, that's where peak performance happens. So flow is a is a is a is a state where action merges with awareness, right? You're you're completely immersed with whatever you're doing. You know, everything kind of flows, that's where a term comes from, it just flows kind of naturally. You're, so what happens in flow, and there's actually a really cool science behind this now, a lot of cool neuroscience, is where some of, I know some of you have experienced being in the zone before in a flow. Uh, so yeah, kind of, absolutely. Yes, yeah, so kind of that moment where time just stands still or slows down, right? So everything's perfect. So what happens in flow is actually our, our prefrontal cortex, the front part of our brain, um, there's, it tends to down-regulate, which means like there's less activity. So that, this part of the brain helps us, uh, our self-consciousness or higher cognitive functions or thinking, analysis, and perception of time. There's less activity on part of the brain. So actually we're using less of our brain when we're performing our breath rather than we're, we're, we're using more of it. 
mm-hmm. right? So and then some of the, the kind of the characteristics of flow, uh, which you might be familiar with, is there's an acronym called STIR. So selflessness, timelessness, effortlessness, and information richness. So selflessness, we use a sense of self. We're not worried about, you know, who we are, what, what our, our past was, or the future. Timeless, right? everything either slows down or speeds up. Right. You can at one moment you have you know you're playing your you're fighting your match and you come out of it oh, I can you know, realize what happened because it's just yeah. kind of flew by kind of thing. Effortless, everything's effortless, right? Everything's kind of perfect. Every punch is perfect. Every shot's perfect. Mm-hmm. Every pass is perfect, right? And then uh, information richness, everything's more vivid and clear. So this is what happens in kind of in flow states, being in the zone. And so part of my my my, my role with athletes is not necessarily to because there's no way to to directly train someone to get into flow, but you can create the right conditions for it to emerge. So you're creating, and that's more, and that's where kind of presence comes in. The more you're in tune with the, the present moment, the more you're here now rather than somewhere else, that's where flow tends to happen more often. And this is mm-hmm. what kind of what we see from the research. Wow. Yeah. Now, the same, incredible. <laughs> same uh, philosophy can be applied across the board in any type of, it's not just for sports, it could be for life or for anything you basically do, you can have that flow. Because... Yeah. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of times where you get in that flow and, and I personally, like for me, um, for, I do the stock trading, right? Like that's a lot. And I'm really, really digging this whole conversation with you in terms of the flow, because there's been a lot of times where I feel like I'm so much more in flow. These numbers that come in across the screen, I'm just like catching everything and I'm understanding it. But then, you know, majority of the time I'm not there. Yeah. And I just, so when you just mentioned the whole disconnect of the body in, in the future and the past, that really kind of connected with me because I, under, I understood yeah. in terms of like how that works. But like, do you think being part of or getting into a flow is, is not always possible, of course, right? Like how do you, so other than setting the right environment, what else can you possibly, or an athlete or anyone can possibly do to to get themselves in that state of flow? Yeah, perfect. No, I'm glad you brought that up. It's kind of my next kind of segue into it. And so there's a couple things based on, on the research. There's a couple things, prerequisites that, that, that athletes can do, or anyone can do. Like even, you can have flow in a conversation like this. You can flow in, yeah. in stock training, right? There's lots of things you can do to help amplify the conditions for it. So one of the main ones is, is, is having a balance between your level of challenge and your level of skill. So mm-hmm. if you think of a graph, if you're challenged on one side and skill on one side, if your level of per- this is perceived challenge and perceived level of skill, if your level of perceived challenge is too high, your level of skill is too low, and you experience anxiety. Mm. Right? So you're putting yourself in this position where you're not you're ready for it yet, and it's too high up, right? Putting yeah. up a high school basketball player in the NBA is probably too anxious, right? Skills not there. Mm. On the other hand, if your skill level is too high and challenge is too low, you're bored, right? So you're not not gonna experience this, some fun out of it, right? That's like putting an NBA player in an opposite in a high school game. (laughs) Flow tends to happen in that sweet spot right in the middle. There's a balance between your level of challenge Mm -hmm. and balance between your level of skill. But the general thumb, and this is, and take this with a grain of salt, but the general rule of thumb is like, you know, your challenge should be around 4% higher than your level of skill. So you're just outside your comfort zone where you're growing, you're learning, but not too much where you're too anxious or too low that you're too bored. Right, so having a balance between, so always kind of checking with yourself. Where am I? How am I? How's my perceived level of challenge right now? Is it four percent? Is it five percent? Six percent? And where are you comfortable with? Mm. So having that condition is very important. You find this in a lot of things. Uh, another condition is is having clear objectives, a very clear goal of what you want to do. So in stock, you know, you want to do, you know, get from A to B. This kind of you have a very clear line of what you want to do. So having clear objectives, objective brings you to the, the present moment. It brings you here. Mm. Third one is uh, having immediate feedback. It's having ways to incorporate ways of feedback. And then so there's different types of you. You can have internal feedback, which is the things we tell ourselves, which is kind of has low impact, but has more inside of our control. 
external feedback because you know coaches can tell you something hey keep going you do this um, the numbers you know or the win or loss go or, or shot goes in or not that's external feedback high level control but or a low level, low level control but you know have a high, higher impact if that mm. kind of makes sense right so having a, a way to incorporate feedback as much as possible is important Right. And also the last one, and this is where we're tied into to mindfulness and presence, is, is having a deep focus. Or train your mind to, to be here. And this is where mindfulness comes in. And I train athletes to, with mindfulness for them to train their focus, to bring themselves here. And then that's kind of what those four kind of, there's, there's other ones, the other kind of prerequisites, but those are kind of some things that you can do kind of starting today to kind of create those right conditions. Even if those conditions are met, flow can, can not happen. Right? It's, very, it's very kind of different. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's, 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 uh, neurochemically based as well. I mean, people think runner's high is kind of like flows, but flow, runner's high and flow is actually two different things. Runner's high is very, you know, just mostly just neurochemicals, you know, you're flooded with endorphins and dopamine kind of thing after yeah. a run. Uh, flow is more of a kind of a state of mind that you can kind of create the right conditions for it to happen more often, right? But the main one would be that challenge and skill balance, if that kind of makes sense. That is so That's, cool. It reminds me so much of how we need to be attuned with incremental growth, mm-hmm. right? I think what resonates with me the most there, Mark, is how you mentioned the 4% difference when you have skill and challenge and ensuring that it's growing at a 4% rate. 4% is not all that much, right? But it's enough for you to actually go in and understand that you are improving slightly more than you did the last time you went in to whatever it is you're doing. It's like when people go to the gym or when it's New Year's and you have a goal to hit and you tell yourself, you know what, January 1st, uh, I'm going to change my lifestyle. I'm going to wake up every morning. I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to go to the gym. And it's like people make a 100% turn. Yeah. But how long does that last? Exactly. You know, it lasts a week yeah. and then they go back to the shit life that mm-hmm. they were living early on. Yeah. And excuse my language, I'm just talking about in terms of the shit life, meaning that they weren't happy with their life to begin with. Yeah. They wanted such a big 180 change, but they've changed too much. Yeah. It's like that challenge goes so high, exactly. but it's still at the same skill level. But in order to make that skill level you know, with 4% incremental increase on both ends, it's small changes. It's habitual change where every day you kind of tell yourself, here's the one habit I'm going to change. Let's stick with that. And then we'll get to the next one. Exactly. Simplified, right? And that is perfect. Right? People just set unrealistic goals for themselves. In January 1st, I want to lose 30 pounds in two weeks. You're, like, You're never going to do that. You never, you haven't worked out yet. How are you going to, you know, that's, not unreal, that's unrealistic. Yeah. What can you do starting today? to do that what are some little things you can change what's a a, a a mindset habit or something else you can do right don't 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 put it way too high it takes a, just first of all it takes around like two weeks to form a habit first of all like give yourself mm-hmm. the benefit of doubt to you know start going to the gym instead mm-hmm. of kind of just push yourself too much because they go to the gym you get sore the next day you get discouraged you never come yeah. back again right so break it down to small little pieces their brains like small little pieces yeah right? it's like the movie have you guys watched the movie um the martian with matt damon yeah. Yeah. So basically, he's he's. I mean, he's stuck on Mars, right? They left him on Mars. Oh then. yes, oh, that wow. one. Okay. So good. And so that in itself is like crazy. Okay, how am I gonna ever survive Mars? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but he didn't think about that. Like, if you thought about, okay, I'm stuck in Mars. This is crazy. I'm never gonna survive. Like, you would never survive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Might as well kill myself. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but he broke it down. Okay. What can I? Okay. This is a situation I'm dealt with. Just shitty situation. But what can I do today in pursuit of that? Okay. I can find water, I can plant potatoes, I can do little things piece by piece to increase my chances of the outcome. Mm. Right? And that's where the, the that's what we call process goals. Little things within my control, step by step, to help me increase my chances of the outcome. The outcome is not in that, inside of our control. You surviving is not 100% inside of your control. You winning the match in, 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 in you know, BJJ is not is not 100% inside of your control. Some, someone else you know steps up more prepared for you that yeah. day is gonna do better. But exactly. there are little things you can do to help increase the chances of you winning. Yes. Right? 
And that's where we kind of, and that's where the, the, the maladaptive perfectionists see as, as they need to control everything. But in this reality, we can't, right? And there's so much power in understanding we don't, we can't control anything. And I think that goes back with, like, with teams. You know, if you're in a team sport um, and you feel like, you you know, for example, you you feel like you're the leader of the team and you're trying to, you know, do certain things and try to change the outcome. I think uh, going back to what you said and being in flow, I think that's that's very interesting. Being in the present moment, what can I do this play? What can I do in this moment right now in order to get back into the game and just kind of be in that state where it's like not thinking, oh, looking at the score. A lot of a lot of I know a lot when I used to play basketball all the time, we would have guys that would just always look at the scoreboard. Oh, we're only down five. And they would get anxious, and they, you know, and we just mess up even more, yeah. and we dick ourselves a hole by just keep 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 looking at the scoreboard. Where it's like, okay, what can, what can we do this play? We just let's stop them from scoring this play, and we stop them from scoring this play. Okay, now let's focus on our offense. What are we doing right? What are we what are we doing wrong? And just kind of letting the game play out. So I, I really like I really connect with what yeah, you're saying. It's just so. simplifying it, right? It's one yeah. thing I like to to use is called the rule of three. So maybe you think about to your before your game. You know, what's the outcome? Okay, I want to win the game. Awesome. Not 100% inside of your control, of course. But what are three things? What are three process goals that you can do to help you reach that outcome? So if you're a soccer player, you know, get those crosses in. You know, keep making those runs. Get creative. Those are things you can come back to when you kind of get distracted by the outcome and bring it back. Okay, this is something I can do now. Or communicate could be another one, right? Or maybe give, give me some examples maybe of, of fighting. Like, what do you think? So obviously you want to win the, the match. Of course. And what are, what are three things that you can possibly do that are process-oriented that is totally inside of control to help you? Well, I, I find when it comes to preparing for a fight or even a competition in general is you, you immediately start to wire, wire yourself accordingly, right? Like, let's say, for instance, tomorrow I get a call and it's my coach or it's some event coordinator who's hosting a huge tournament and they want me in there. The moment I know that date, for me anyway, I'm so geared and ready to, to perform at my best for that. A lot of the preparation and, and the, the game readiness comes from the moment you know about that tournament before the match itself. A lot of times we focus so much on that day, we focus so much about the strategy of what that day is going to be, that we, we lose sight of what we need to do um, prior to, right? So for me anyway, it's uh, three things that I highly, highly uh, put on a pedestal is the environment I'm in everything that I'm doing uh, anyone I'm with they, they need to be putting me in a very happy mindset right like I, I just negativity I don't like and if it happens right like you know if you get in an argument with family or with your spouse I mean you you do your quickest way to diffuse it and sometimes it's just a matter of okay agreeing on your head cool we're gonna, we're gonna bury this hatchet because I'm, I'm too focused on something that's to come so you don't your your mental uh, capacity needs to be strong. So environment. Second thing is sleep. Very much so value mm-hmm. sleep, yeah. right? As much as you're on all the time when you're preparing for a match, you need to turn that switch off because that's charging the battery, right? And for me, I think the third one, the most important one, is showing up, right? Go in there, mm-hmm. train, go to the gym. That's 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 equivalent to you doing a master's program and what you're specializing in and you deciding to go, oh, you know what, I feel lazy these this week, I'm just not going to go. Well, now how much worse of a specialist are you going to feel compared yeah. to that guy who goes to class every time? Yeah. And for me, that's school to me. Is I go in, I, I look at training as my school. I'm in, I'm learning. Even if it's that beginner class, even if it's that class that I normally wouldn't go on in a camp, I'm showing up. Because you can never 
stop to to sharpen the saw and and continue to refine those basics yeah. right and i think that's the neatest part is every time i do that when i have that tournament i go to mm-hmm. or i have that fight sometimes there's that one little thing no matter how basic it was that i did that i would have repeated in that camp and it helped me win the match yeah. like mm-hmm. tremendously right Interesting. sometimes it just goes back to the basics you know like for a team sport or an event or whatever the case uh, you know eating right sleeping yeah. having having water it's holistic, um, right? being positive you know cheering your teammates uh, handshaking before the game these things that a lot of professional athletes do that are just subtle um, but can make a make a big difference yeah, even like going exactly. back to like there was a cool was an interesting study they actually found us in the NBA uh, I think it was the NBA the teams that who would pat each other on, on the bums more often were the ones that actually did better <laughs> right, so they're more supportive of themselves exactly that, 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 that supported the team those are little yeah. things yeah. that you don't yeah. come kind of to realize but so set those like you're building a foundation right? set, what are things I can possibly control right now okay I'm going to pack my bag do this right i'm gonna get my sleep i'm gonna get my re- recovery right all these things okay i'm done that okay what's the next second floor right what's the next the, yeah. the, like in the level mm. right and that's what kind of mindset com- training comes in where you, you're building awareness of what works for you you know what are you, what's it what's it like when you're at your best where's your mind go to you what, and also on the other hand like what's it like when you're at your worst so that's where i usually start with athletes okay I start with okay what's it like when you're at your very worst where's your mind go to you you know, they talk about this and this, and I tend to overthink things, and I'm emotional, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, and then, so let's talk about what's it like when you're your best. Like, I'm not overthinking. I'm just, I'm flowing. I'm there. I'm present, right? So they get an understanding as a gauge. Okay, this this is, this is what happens when, I, when I'm at my best. This is when I'm at my worst. So let's yeah. try to get here more often. Exactly. Okay, awesome. So, and let's talk about, okay, so what are different sports have different, you know, activation levels as well. Like some fighters or hockey players need to be a little bit, maybe some a little more angry, more, you know, switched on. Or some, some sports need to be a little bit more lower in activation. Totally. So understand, okay, from 1 to 10, what's your ideal state? I like to be 6 out of 10, 5 out of 10. Yeah. Like, where do you like to be? Maybe that... In terms of the, the state of mind that I'm in? So, like, uh, so say 10, 10 out of 10 is, you know, super activated, super switched on, almost like, at like you know, 5 cans of Red Bull kind of thing. And then yeah, yeah. 1 being, you know, super bored, lethargic. Like, where's your ideal state? Oh, it's, it's so funny you ask, because this, this goes back to when you and I spoke early on about my, my energy levels is they're always so high, yeah. right? Especially in the, the <laughs> especially in the field of performance, right? Whether I'm coaching or I'm, I'm performing as an athlete, I'm at like a nine. Like, I'm that guy prior to going on the mats to compete. I'm jumping around. I'm, I'm doing jumping jacks yeah. while buddies are just... They're just sitting down with their earphones in. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing is like, one, I need to be warm. Like I need to be having a sweat on. Two, like I'm, I'm getting myself like jacked up, excited, right? Like uh, a lot of that really rushes at adrenaline high. But I mean, you know what? Lately, I'm finding that sometimes I, I do need to just level down a little bit, right? Like I do need to make myself calm because then, you know, me not telling you 10 out of 10 allows me to say, okay, that 8 to 9 out of 10 is going to allow me to still have a, a part of me to slow things down. Hmm. Because in jujitsu, that's what it's helped me do. It's helped me tremendously slow everything down in my life. Yeah. Because in order to find openings, you need to you need to see it happen, and then you need to go through the steps to get to the next part, yeah. where you get the point, mm-hmm. where you get the submission. And a lot of times, if you do it too fast, you're gonna open yourself up for failure. Yeah. Right. So it's everything is so step by step. Yeah. And that's why every athlete is different. Like you see, you saying bolt dabbing, you know, getting all amped yeah. up, right? Mm-hmm. Michael Phelps, hoodie up, yeah. headphones in. Kobe, yeah. Kobe, just straight mamba face, yeah, mamba like face, not right? even, 
nothing emotionless really. just emotionless yeah. just and Kobe t- talks a lot about flow there's a community on YouTube and then he talks about mm-hmm. being in the zone and flow and he, he talks about you know things like one noise right mm-hmm. things slows down right and it's only when you tune in to that present moment that you can open up to those spaces have you seen Muse? yeah I, mm-hmm. so I use uh, Muse with with Matthew so those of you who don't know oh, what, nice. what Muse is uh, Muse is a meditation headband uh, which kind of tracks um your brainwave activity and basically mm-hmm. different brainwave activities are associated with different states of mind. So, um, and then, so with the muse, you're basically, if you're in a nice focused, relaxed state, you tend to, you hear feedback in the form of bird sounds When you're distracted. You get, uh, stormy sounds and you kind of, you're, you're, it gives you more tangible kind of objective kind of measures for, for when you lost your attention, you can train yourself that way. Mm-hmm. I use it more for, 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 for people just getting into, into meditation because there's, you're not going to use the muse during your performance, right? You're not going to have it on. You need to learn to, to, to be aware of your own self and knowing, noticing when you got distracted on your own. Yeah. And there's some, and there's, there's still debate of the, there's some, there's really good studies on muse and some, but some also say there's the, the, like, what is it actually kind of measuring? What types of brainwaves, right? So it's, but it's, again, it's a really good introduction to, to meditation. It makes mind, mindfulness into a sort of a game, yeah. which is mm-hmm. really cool. But again, I, I, I encourage athletes to, to train on our own and be aware of your own mind. I think it's, you know, tough sometimes. It's because you're alone. That's why people have so much trouble sleeping nowadays because mm-hmm. it's the first time in their day that they're alone with themselves and they don't know what to do with it's their true. thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. Right? And they start fighting those thoughts. And this is where mindfulness comes in and saying, hey, like, you were not your thoughts. Thoughts are not reality. You don't have to give these thoughts weight. Like, oh, I suck. I can't do this. I'm never going to wake. You can see this. Hey, that's just a distraction. That's just a thought. And bring it back to the present moment, to what you're supposed to be actually doing. Right? If you tell yourself this, like, I, if I tell you, don't think about pink elephant, what do you think happens? Mm-hmm. Pink think elephant. Right? just coming up yeah. in my head like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, so said, and that's the same thing with your performance. Tell yourself, don't miss, don't screw up. Your mind's going to focus on that thing, and you're probably going to screw up. Right? So it's noticing that. It's just, just our, our, our brain is, is wired in its evolutionary history to, to, to scan the environment for negative things. Right? Back in the day when there's predators in the bushes, mm. right? We're look, the first person who saw the threat got out of there, you know, survived, fight or flight kind of thing. Right? But nowadays, we still have that left over, but, but it's not very useful to us. We're always scanning for negative things. Yeah. But so training is, the mindset training is all about, hey, I'm just saying this is where my mind tends to go by default, but I can choose to shift my attention. And that's where mindfulness is, is just bringing awareness to a distraction and then shifting your focus. And the easiest yeah. way to, to train mindfulness is just following the breath, right? Because it's the breath is always present, it's always mm. in this moment. So it's a good anchor, right? Mm. Oh, I got I got distracted, bring it back. Oh, I got distracted, bring it back. Doesn't matter how many times that happens, you just, you just train it, you get better and better. And there's so much cool research now. Over three thousand peer reviewed articles on the on on, on the, the benefits of mindfulness. Right? And, and people think, oh I'm like, I'm not such a bad meditator, I can't shut off the mind. It's impossible to shut off the mind. Like you probably you guys notice like you, you can't shut off the mind. Mm-hmm, yeah. So change your relationship with it. Like don't be so distracted with it, right? Just be 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 curious, be open with it. And it will kind of subside on its own. And that that's a neat part is you know when we say mindfulness, it's so broad now. There's so many different ways of tuning into mindfulness. So from your perspective, Marek, what are what are some ways that you maybe you've personally experienced or 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 ways in which athletes you work with have incorporated mindfulness in? How have they done it? You know, is it through meditation? Is it through simply being still? Is it through maybe a particular activity they like doing to calm the mind down? What are some examples you could give us of uh, really tuning into mindfulness? Yeah, um, so I think it's always starting with like kind of a formal formal practice of, you know, even just starting with a couple minutes a day, just being with the breath. I mean, there's different types of meditations and different schools of thought. I I like the more kind of a, uh, the Zen background where it's mm-hmm. you're just focusing on, on, on the breath, you're noticing distractions, you're bringing it back. And so starting with 
and there's lots of apps nowadays you can use. I mean, Headspace, I recommend to everyone nice. um, to, to, if you want some guided meditation. So that's a good way to, 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 to start that formal practice. And then you start to see, once you start having that, that consistent practice, you start noticing mindfulness in your daily life. Mm. So if you're just you're brushing your teeth, you're just brushing your teeth. You're, you're eating dinner, you're just eating that dinner. Because often when we're eating dinner, we just scarf it down. We're not even thinking about it. Before we know it, I, I remember how that tasted like because I was just not even tuned in. Hmm. Right, so do it in the shower. Do it when you're when you're when you're doing something else. Right, when you're brushing teeth, use your left hand or your whatever your, your non-dominant hands, just to see what it's like. Get curious with it. Yeah. Can you tune into that into that moment. Interesting. And so more, you're 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 moving that into movement, and then you start mindfully walking, and then and then into your practice and your training. Can you can you stretch mindfully? Can you can you just breathe for a couple of minutes, and then kind of every every once in a while throughout the game, just to stop, focus on the breath, bring it back. Um, there's an old there's a there's a sports psychologist or a sports psychologist who uh, Ken Ravitsa, Ravitsa who recently just died actually but he had a he's a pretty f- um, known guy in the sports psychology world but he had a with his team he had them have a little mini to- toilet on the bench as a baseball team so every time they made a mistake they go on the toilet flush the mini toilet let go of the last play move on oh that's right? cool so you're giving yourself an action you're, you're mindfully tuning into okay this is a distraction but I'm just gonna tune into it and, let, and choose to let go. Interesting. So it starts with that, that formal practice, but also finding ways throughout your day to, to tune in. Right? If you're having a conversation with a friend, have that conversation. Yeah. Can you can you can you just notice? Because what happens when we're having a conversation with people? We're always thinking about what we're we're trying to answer that question. Or answer <laughs> what, right? We're not even tuning. But we're missing so many so many things that could be could be what the other person's saying. Exactly. What did you just say? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we're funny enough that it could be the answer yeah. of what you were going to ask yeah. in the first yeah. place. Um, I recently uh, was watching something and it was on um, mind and. And psychology and stuff and it said that you know when people when they wake up in the morning um, right away you start having thoughts and a lot of your thoughts are basically your memories from the past so as soon as you wake up you're instantly living in your in your past yeah. um, and you know so in your experience how because for example me when I wake up in the morning my mind instantly as soon as that those eyes are open like instantly it switches on and I'm like thinking so many different things, like what do I gotta do with my day? How do I wanna start? Um, and recently I have tried to like get in my mornings to start meditating and start, you know, taking that time in the morning to just slow down. But I still feel like I have troubles in terms of when I wake up, my thoughts are just constantly. And once I recently learned that, that, you know, it's a memories of my past and I'm constantly living in the past. In your experience, how can one pull themselves into the future and start living for that future and start having thoughts more based on future where they want to be rather than um, you know having thoughts of what they've learned in the past and where they were and what they were doing and stuff mm-hmm. like that so so I mean there's no, no use of planning for a future of which in which once you get there you won't be there anymore because you're thinking about the future again mm-hmm. it's also about tuning into being here and being fully here and then kind of plan ahead so I mean mm-hmm. when you wake up just, you can you know, just call it kind of priming yourself right just take a Focus on a couple breaths in the morning. There's going to be distractions. There's all these thoughts going on. Just nice. bring the breath. Take a couple moments, as long as it takes, and then kind of put your feet on the ground and start doing things more, a little bit more with mindfulness, right? Bring your okay, feet on the ground. What's it feel like on my feet? Move around. Get your phone out of there. Like, I don't have my phone in my, in my room anymore. It's, it's charging somewhere else because my phone, when I have it there, it's already drifting off towards the phone. I want to mm-hmm. go scroll Instagram. I'm starting my day off with someone else's life rather than my own. Yeah, so, right. yeah, that's so true. The way you put that is so true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're all guilty. I'm, I'm always, I'm guilty of it as well. So I, what I, I do now is I have like certain apps which block some of my social media at a certain time of the day. So I don't yes. go into it, 
right? And it kind of gives you a reminder, hey, focus on your goals kind of thing. Awesome. Every Sunday, today is Sunday, I don't, I have a social media Sabbath. I kind of look at social media. Nice. And I, I can't tell you how much it's, that's helped with, with, with my, my, my mental health and well-being, especially nowadays. Sweet. It's it's crazy. But, and then, so, yeah, start your day off with just practice. It takes time, right? It takes time yeah. to kind of practice yourself to be more present and, and certain have certain habits that you've noticed that work for you, right? So if you maybe have to take a walk or take a, just have a coffee, just sitting with it, nothing else, right? Try to dedicate that first half hour, 90 minutes to just to you, right? How can you, what works for you to prime yourself for the day? It's funny that you talk about priming because Tony Robbins talks about that yeah. a lot. He primes himself by uh, every, every morning he takes about 10 or 15 minutes to uh, pick out three things he's grateful for yeah. in his life. Yeah. And he just thinks about the thing, the, either it's his wife or his family or his kid or whatever it is. But every single day he'll wake up and the first thing he does is just sit on the ground for 10 minutes. Yeah. I use gratitude think, as well. Like think I have gratitude. A, think gratitude. I have an app. Uh, and it's called Five Minute Journal. Um, mm-hmm. And then so every morning, I set the timer at eight a.m. It it gives me three things I'm grateful for. And at night, ten p.m., you know, what are three amazing things that happened? Yeah. And there's really cool research with mm-hmm. it's not like kind of you know woo woo kind of things, but it's actually a lot of cool so, science on, on gratitude. So on that app, you like put what you're grateful for. Or yeah. So you start off your day okay, and you're forcing yourself to think about. Some things you not just being generic, but actually, th- and start taking a moment. Okay, I'm actually. If you don't want to go to work that morning, hey, I get to go to work. Yeah. I get to make some money. Maybe it's in pursuit of my long term goal. Something's going to happen, right? Instead, mm-hmm. of, I don't want to go to work. But you just start changing little little habits. A little That's bit. neat. And especially at the end of the day, just just something really cool. Some must have happened, right? Even if it's a conversation with a friend or something, something you can pull. Try to find the the good things rather than yeah. focus on those negative and going to bed in a negative way. Mm. Right. I take it this is your daily ritual you're doing because that's exactly what I was going to ask you is yeah. what is what is something that you're doing every day right now to get you to where you obviously want to get towards where you're you know fulfilling your mission yeah. that you talked about yeah. and you're doing everything else to to set that pace for the future as you yeah. talked yeah. about and then, I mean I'm not only give the impression I'm perfect at this right <laughs> like I sometimes I I will check my Instagram on Sundays right every once in a while we're only human yeah, right? we're only human and that, that's, that, that's, the, that's the biggest thing is that don't don't be so hard on yourself like have the strong goals but loosely held yeah right don't we're, give yourself the benefit of the doubt that we are human we're not going to be perfect we're, we're, we're self-improving ourselves to death Yes. Yeah, there's an article recently we're just we're constantly always trying to find a way to improve ourselves it's like but why and that's going back to why why yeah no, I'm definitely guilty of that I personally so and it's, it's self-improving yourself to death yeah that's sometimes yeah. isn't that neat though and I heard about this recently as I was listening to it where end of the day we all need to face it at value where we all know we're gonna die one day yeah so well, what, what is it that we're doing what is it that we're chasing that why factor again it's like Okay, so long as whatever it is I'm chasing is going to make me happy, is making me happy. Because if all we're ever doing is chasing, are you ever going to be in the moment? And I think that's what really scares me is even from that athletic perspective, when you're an athlete and you're you're chasing all the time, you're thinking about, Mm -hmm. okay, yes, I need to do this, 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 this to get to this. Okay, great. You made that championship. You, You got the belt, especially my perspective in terms of fighting. Okay, then what? And that's a scary thing is from the fan's perspective, they're putting that constantly in your brain. Oh, who's next? Who are you going to fight next? We talked a lot about GSP. And he, he mentions how when he was an undefeated champion and he was defending that belt time and time again, there was so much pressure with that. Mm-hmm. All he could think about the moment he even won, the moment that belt went around his waist after he fought was, okay, well, by tomorrow... 
people are going to wonder who's next for me to defeat. Yeah. And there's not, not it's for sometimes athletes, it's like there's never even a moment of like, yeah. like just release, like yeah. breathe, enjoy it. It's mm-hmm. always like, okay, I got to do this next. What's the next thing? What's right? the next thing? Once well, so we talk about how it's I think crazy. there's collectively as a, as a society, we just have this collective, we're all in the breathing in stage. We're all... And then what happens yeah. is we're, we're tense and we're everything's, you know, holding our breath without understanding, mm-hmm. hey, we have complete control of breathing out. Right? Yeah. You have complete control of that. Right? So how does, how does one deal with that where they, they constantly feel like, whether an athlete or a person, they constantly feel like they're in that, that state of chase? Mm-hmm. Again, is that does does mindfulness is the answer for that? Where you where you start becoming mindful of every year, every little action, everything that you do, um, and then that brings you back to the present moment, and then you're no longer in need of chasing, and you're no longer in need of trying to just get to the next thing. Yeah, and and so one kind of good analogy, and I've used this with you, is an analogy of like you know the point of a musical composition isn't you know the end note. If that was the case, every musical note would be just on one one, one symbol, mm. right? But no, it's about singing and dancing along the way. And it's all about reminding, it's, at the end of the day, we, if we, for example, we want to you know buy something and we got a certain question, bring a little bit of mindful awareness to, okay, why am I buying this new car? Why, what is this fulfilling? Is it just my ego? Like, am I trying to show something? What am I actually trying to fulfill with buying this thing? And, start, and you, start, you get better and better questioning certain things. And you, you realize, you know, the more you reduce the needs for happiness, you realize like you had it all along, right? It's, it's mm. nothing kind of external to you, and it's all. And then mindfulness is about practice of just. Re, I like to say remindfulness. You're reminding yourself of that fact. You get better and better at times. And of course, I you know I, I I lose track of it every once in a while in my career and all these things. And I want to do this and this, but it's like remind yourself. Hey, we're all in the same boat here. We all don't die. Memento mori, as yeah. the Latin says, right? But that's 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 the great uh, uh, helper to you. Right, that's what kind of makes the journey, and that's all about reminding people of that journey, of the process. I think I think it also has to deal with is um, a lot of people blur the lines between happiness and satisfaction, right? Because as a as an athlete or whoever you know, you're a striving person, super ambitious. You get to a certain point, like you said, you get the belt, and then all of a sudden you're thinking of the next thing. Yeah. There's they get mixed, like you mix up where of course you obviously don't want to stay satisfied because you're never satisfied you always want to keep achieving but then there's a that there's that where moment where you need to just breathe and just take in the moment you just you just accomplished the thing you've been working for for a number of years but i I feel like there's there's some disconnect or there's some blur between like i'm happy like i got this and taking that time to be like i got this and then yeah but i'm still not satisfied i still would love more but I have this. Yeah. So yeah. I think... Uh, that's what the, some of the criticisms are like of mindfulness. People say, like, oh, if I do mindfulness, like, I'm going to be lazy and complacent. Mm-hmm. And things. But it's like, it's like no, it's just, it allows you to tune in to more of that present moment and appreciate it a little bit more. Mm. So am I satisfied with these things? How, take a moment to be appreciative with that. I got the belt. Let's take a moment. Yeah. Instead of always drifting off towards another belt. And then so when I get that belt, I'm going to focus on the next belt. You're never fully engaged with what you're mm-hmm. actually doing. Right? So take the moment, appreciate the moment, be grateful and have gratitude and then let that compel you for the next thing and yeah. let that push you towards the next yeah. thing right. give sense. it give it a moment is yeah. exactly right and that's cliche as it sound right just kind of smell the roses kind of thing but it's it, there's a way to, to practice that and it helps you create those conditions for flow to happen more often in your life mm. right? carpe diem yeah. seize the day, right? day right? mm. that's neat then, what would you say mark is currently the, the biggest challenge you're facing whether it's through your personal life or it's through your career what is something right now that you're you're facing and that 
you're, you're trying to figure out. So I struggle with this pretty much every day. I'm, I'm guilty of not being present from time to time too, right? Mm-hmm. We know I'm still early on in my career and I'm, I'm comparing myself. And this is going back to you know, social media and how this is a, has a negative effect of it. I mean, comparing yourself to, you know, what you know what you should look like or what this person looks like, right? We're defining ourselves by what we're told we should look like or what I kind of what I kind of want, right? Instead of just just being like, what are what are you what's what's currently going on? Like if I look if I really kind of boil it down, like I am creating the right conditions for it to eventually happen. You're not getting upset with yourself for not being right. So be where you are. It's kind of something I always kind of you know the time is now, the place is here. Create those right conditions for you to be here. So I struggle with you know the comparison all the time. This is why I, I implemented those 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 um, the blocks on my social media because I need it. I need. I know this is something that's developed to hack at your attention. Yeah. It's not your fault, right? This is something that's they have neural you know, uh, psychologists and every everyone on the team to to that know how to hack your brain, right? So the, the the Facebook notification button used to be blue, right? But now they have the red thing because they know red you no know, snaps at your attention. Oh, I want to see this. Mm, yeah. Right? So understanding that fact, okay, this is something that it's not you know it's not like like my fault. Right, so by can create the conditions for me. Okay, how can I, despite this, to to create the right conditions for it? So I, I struggle with that all the time, and it's just about reminding myself of, and an, an overarching theme really is reminding myself that you know it's all a game, really. Yeah. We're all we all end up in the same place at the end of the day, right? And then and why are we kind of trying to, uh, you know, chase these things that that really have no kind of meaning? But if you're fi- you you create meaning in, in yourself, you find something that's fulfilling for you. And the more you're in tune with 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 that moment and being satisfied with it, you know, good things will happen. Right? That's so not true. Mm. I like that because I can't help but compare that from the level of how we look at this podcast, right? Because we, time and time again, you know, Omid, Yusuf, and I, we're sitting down, we're trying to compare ourselves to big names like Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast, Lewis Howes, <laughs> yeah. Joe, Joe Rogan, Joe, Joe Tony <laughs> Robbins, these big guys, and we're like, oh, we got to be just like them. Yeah. And you know what? To tell you the truth, I know if and when we continue to do this, we'll, we'll, we'll get there, right? We'll hopefully get there. But you can't help but, you know, take a step back. And go, okay, I'm comparing too much to guys right now who are the best in the game, mm-hmm. who are 600 episodes in. Yeah, 2,000, like 20 years in. Yeah, 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 exactly. 20 years in. And I know, you know what, again, it goes back to that 4% mentality where it's like, okay, well, what can we do into our next podcast that we can improve on mm-hmm. compared to the last? As opposed to, no, 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 guys, watch this podcast. See how they're doing the introduction. It's got to <laughs> be like that, right? But yeah. I mean, hey, it's great. We're striving for that level. But we know that it's going to take some time before we get there. And that's why my philosophy I have written down is don't rush. Yeah. And that's my guiding principle. I know I'm going to get there eventually. Just don't rush yourself. And this is the great skill of our time is I like to call it reducing the noise. How can you reduce noise in your life? How can you reduce the comparison? How can you reduce you know, things that are pulling at your attention mm. and focus on what you're supposed to be doing? You guys are doing great stuff. Like These are awesome conversations. And, and then from, from what I've seen, right? This is, so keep doing what you're doing. Of course. Right? And it all needs to be reminded of that fact. It's just it's. I know it's getting tougher and tougher nowadays with, with internet and social yeah. media. So much competition. So reduce just that noise, seeing, right? Just in your but face. just knowing, like being aware of the fact that this is our episode nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take a moment to say this is episode nine. All right, everyone, take I'll, a minute. Yeah, let's take a moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy because I mean, even when you think of it, like even this being an episode nine, it's still. It's like I remember when we when we were just talking about this when you know we were bringing on our first guest. Yeah, like just not, when you yeah. when you take. Again, when you step back and you be mindful of taking that moment and just letting this be a moment of its own and letting, again, not letting that 
line blur between happiness and satisfaction. I think yeah. it's it's great. Because so. you get into some dangerous stuff, like going back to that perfectionist, right? It's you get into some dangerous stuff when you start criticizing and trying to compare and like it could, it could be better, it could be better. It's never gonna be fully hundred percent. Right? One thing I, I saw there's a, a YouTuber, you guys might know know them, um uh, I forgot their names, but they're basically they have like a lot of they're pretty big following and they and they look back at their very first episode and how different it was. Right? Yeah. And they're kind of and then just taking a moment, hey, like we're completely different. Right. So take that moment just to to, to appreciate how far you've come. It's just so important. Because you can you'll get down yourself as much as you want, but it's just gonna get you some negative places down the road. It's so true, hey. And I, I love this topic because again, there's so many stories in my life personally that I go through where I see this happen, right? Like let's say for instance, when I'm coaching the beginner kickboxing class and I get a kid who's frustrated. Like they just visibly look like they went through the class and they're beating themselves up mentally. And I go by at the end of class and I'm like, hey, like, good job. You did, you did good today, right? It's their fourth class. And they're like, oh, no, I don't think I did. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're, you're doing the basics. And they're like, well, I just want to learn how to move like you. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, this is your footwork. Like, I just can't do that thing. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, I'm like, stop doing that. Stop thinking that way. Yeah. And I was like, because what you're doing right now is, is you're comparing yourself to, it's great, right? Like you, you have a, you have this motivation of wanting to be something, but it's going to take a lot of time to get to move mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Right? Just breathe, focus on the basics. Well, think of a child when he first learns to walk. Like does it does it tell every time it falls down? Does it does it tell itself? Oh, this is not for me. I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, so, just, I'm done. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Okay, I'm, crawl, I'm, I'm good. good. <laughs> I'm good for calling. Like, no, like, yeah. get up, go back. Right? Yeah. But we somewhere, somewhere along the line we lose that 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 beginner's mind. Doesn't it? Yeah. Like that, but just be always being curious and learning things, and there's always something you can learn. It's kind of like you know having having a, uh, a being. There's a spectrum, right? The and I feel like we looked at on the one end where it's like okay, here's what you're trying to chase. And it's gonna be difficult, and you go, okay, I don't want to do it. Where you just give up, mm. right? Where you're like, oh, it's so far and gone. But then there's the other end, right? And I'll kind of I'll refer to this with my magazine metaphor, right? Where this is me a lot. I used to walk into a magazine store, Seven Eleven, or let's say I'm going to a flight. You know, I like to travel a lot. I grab a magazine. If I'm looking at the front cover of GQ magazine and I see, you know, Ryan Gosling on the cover, I'm gonna look at it one or two ways, right? I'm gonna look at it on this end. Where I'm like, oh, you know what, Ryan Gosling, I want to be that guy. I want to be on the cover of GQ magazine one day. But it's going to be so hard. I'm not Ryan Gosling. I'm not that good looking. I'm not, like, you know, all, the, all these things come into mind. Oh, I'm not that good of an actor. I'll never get there. But then there's the opposite end, where people will look at that front cover of the magazine, and they'll be like, you know what? That could be me easily. I'll, that'll be me tomorrow. I could do it. <laughs> they, 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 they think it's so easy, right? So what I'm trying to say is we need to find a fine balance between the, both of those. Where we can't simply think that it's impossible and we can't simply think that it's attainable right away. Because yeah. that's what really upsets me. Mm-hmm. Where people can go in, and again, my martial arts example, they come and do four or five classes, they think they're the tits. Like they think they're, <laughs> they're really good, which is great. I love the confidence. And they say this to me, hey, yeah, I think I'm ready for that tournament next month. Eh? <laughs> and I'm like, you know what, buddy? I'm like, great. If you want to do it, you can, but let's slow down. So there's, right? a t- there's a term for that. Please, yeah. So like this is something called a Dunning Kruger effect. So this is when you when, when you think of a graph again as well. So in the beginning, when there's novices, people underestimate how much there is to learn about certain things. So the confidence is high. Hmm. So that's, that's the guy does four classes. I can do it. Give me a belt, kind of thing. Yeah. Then we start. Confidence tends to go down as you learn more and more because you start realizing there's so much more 
do this. This is where imposter syndrome comes mm-hmm. in. All the the famous uh, researchers, everyone in the high level has some sort of imposter syndrome. And so their confidence goes down because there's so much to learn. How am I going to learn all this? The confidence goes down. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, but that's a good point. If you're at that place, that's, that means you're, you're learning a lot. Right? The more you know, the, you know the, more, the more you know, the more you know you don't know kind of thing. I, I think it's Plato I think, or Socrates, whatever it said. Right? But then he kind of com- comes back up eventually because he's sort of understanding that fact and letting go of the need to, to learn everything. Right? And so that's, that's just kind of a, a, a how things tend to go. And I'm, I'm using imposter syndrome a lot all the time. Right? Like even like working at ARC, right, at Pivotal, working in the gym, everyone there is huge. And I'm not the biggest guy, obviously. <laughs> probably the smallest guy there, right? So I, every day I come in and with me being challenged. Yeah. You know, I got to look like this. Like one guy actually even, even said, <laughs> me and uh, one of the, the physios ever were in this exact same thing, uh, Chris. Yeah. Hey, Chris. Um, and then so we're wearing the same thing. And then uh, one of the, the trainers comes in and he says, oh, because he's big, Chris is a pretty big guy. And when the trainer says, oh, like, it looks like it's the before and after picture. <laughs> oh, man. What a dick. Like, oh, what a dick. Yeah. Like, what oh. a jerk, man. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for that. But I appreciate he doesn't know. Yeah. I mean, they, and I, this is something I struggle with my whole life, right? So, I mean, he doesn't know that, but, you know, but that's something. And then these are things that happen, you know, every, every single, single day for people. Yeah. Right? And it's all about, you know, understanding and appreciating that fact. But knowing, well, knowing your own worth, you know, knowing, and that's where the why and purpose comes in. You know exactly what you do and you know it makes you fulfilled. And that, why does it matter what anyone else says, right? Yeah. You compare yourself to someone else is just, that's just bad science. It's a completely different life. Like why, the only thing you can compare yourself is to who you were yesterday. Oh, exactly. Right? And the more mm-hmm. you remind yourself of the fact that you can, can breathe and then can kind of move forward, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Kobe talks about, uh, Kobe Bryant talks a lot about how not to be too positive and too, or too negative and just, try to stay neutral yeah so whatever external someone said hey you know you're doing an amazing job you're you know i mean obviously that feels good right so you're like well yeah i am and all of a sudden that brings your confidence up and then the, the other side of the negative obviously the negative is more than you know the positive a lot of a lot of people take the negative harder so he talks about having you know uh, not being too positive and then also not being obviously not negative yeah Try and stay neutral. Take it in. You know, recognize it. You know, recognize you're doing a good job, or maybe you are on the right path. And then recognize that you do have some flaws. You do yeah. have things that you need to work on. And just trying to stay kind of in that middle. Yeah, and I, my my life, the philosophy is like living that balance too. But skew more towards the positive, right? You can be both ends, like completely optimistic, but it's because it's not realistic. If things are good, bad things are gonna happen. But same thing on the other end, like don't be negative all the time. But yeah. finding okay, I'm in fifty one percent positive, forty nine kind of negative, yeah. right? Just having that balance always. But understanding, let's have a little bit more optimism, and optimism can be trained. Yeah, and that's the mm-hmm. big thing, and that and that's where the the priming comes. That's the your routines. Those are things you can train every day to stay in that fifty one percent, right? That's it's nice. geared towards this side rather than falling down. It's very easy, you know, to go down the other end. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. And then, you know what? That's a great part is that type of model can be enacted to any type of athlete, any type of human, right? It doesn't just fall into a specific niche. And I think that uh, begs me to ask, Marek, is for you, do you find uh, a heavy difference between your approach for a team athletic athlete who, who is performing in a team or an individual type sport athlete where they themselves are going into the cage or they're going onto the tennis court and everything is up to them. Do you find you have similar approaches for both or do you work with different models and different perspectives? Because um, I have this debate with Gagan all the time because she comes from a sports-oriented, 
team sport background, I come from, hey, it's just me. I'm going in there. It's up to me to win. Mm -hmm. And through that, her and I have had very different habitual um, habits and, and very different ways of looking at life yeah. because of that. Yeah. And we, we always pick our brains a part of it. So I'm interested in knowing what your perspective looks like in the difference between both and how you help both athletes. Yeah, different sports are different ways of, of, of learning about life. You know, and so it's all about coming to ter- coming to the athlete with their language. You know, if they're starting to use those types of team-oriented language and using that, right? And I know with the individual, it's using that. I find individual sport athletes, they tend to use sports psychology more often, right? And I, my first sport was tennis, but, I, but then I didn't like the one-on-one aspect. And oh, so okay. I moved towards team sports maybe because I was trying to diffuse their responsibility a bit. There you go. Um, and so you kind of think about that. And, but now I'm trying to go back into individual sports now, which is kind of interesting. I'm doing some like trail running now and rock climbing, that kind of stuff. Sweet. So I'm, so I'm moving away from that a little bit too, right? But it's, it's, it's that's what's complex. Like I love my, I love the team dynamic aspect. I love, the, I love working with teams and how to, because there's individual flow, right? There's awesome, but group flow is even even better. Like everyone's on the same page. That's just that's what magic. Communication is key. It mm-hmm. needs to be it's one organism, right? And that's kind of that's kind of what uh, floats my boat more now. But yeah, I'm sure there's there's, there's different approaches for, for both types of athletes. But it's mm-hmm. again, just first start with just building that relationship rapport and, and talk with their language and, and then applying it. I mean, at the same time, you're still building the same foundation of skills, yeah. right? Those, those those right things even if you're a team sport or individually still you right mm-hmm. it's just you and your brain so like how can you find ways to train it yeah absolutely and I find that funny through brainstorming right mm-hmm. I, I took that in through how I operate in a single sport and how I turned that into being in a team like presenting projects with a team through in university classes or now um, you know, working with a strategist at work to build a marketing proposal and to then go out there on my own or have them come with me. It's so funny how being from a sport where I, I'm in there competing on my own, I always feel like when I go into a team dynamic, I need to have the recommendation. Like I need to go in with letting them know that, okay, guys, here's the plan. Here's what we should do. And obviously being reasonable, not just saying, okay, we have to do it, but automatically feeling like I need to come up with an answer. Mm-hmm. And then the neat thing is, again, when I compare that with Guggen, my fiance, mm-hmm. she will be more so like, okay, well, you know, team sports background. She goes, okay, well, you know what? She'll delegate. She'll, she'll understand that, okay, I need to do this. I'm not going to do everything because you're here. We're going to focus on your skill and you're going to do that. Or she'll ask. She'll be like, okay, well, what do, you, what do you think we should do? Because she's so good at just passing the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just, she's been so used to the fact that we're not going to get there alone. We're going to get there as a team. Yeah. You know, this person's going to do that, that person's going to do this. And, and then, then you're sure. just like, oh, it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> like, Don't worry, I'll stay up till 3 a.m. I'll do it all. Yeah. Right? And it just, it just we need both for teams, right? Yeah. right? We need both. We need a types. mix. We need a mix, and that's where good teams come in, right? Yeah. Um, there's a good proverb, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go, go together. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. At the end of the day, it boils down, we're all, it's, it's a people business. Everything's a people business, right? It forms relationships. And, and at the heart of individual sports, it's the relationship you have with yourself. And that's, you have to develop that first before you can develop anyone else. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's man, this was... Uh, this was this was definitely an interesting interesting episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, this, this, well, it's a broad to- topic, right? Yeah, like yeah. Mind- mindfulness and psychology and all that. Like you can dig 
like you said, peel back the onion. Is, you know, there's so many we'll layers to it. We'll come back to the same it. place again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, 100%. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to conclude there, Marek, you, you just exceptionally exploded my brain in such a good <laughs> well, way. Likewise, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you picked it away. Yeah. You know, we talked a lot about, uh, you know, mindfulness and those key topics. You, you straight textbook content too I feel yeah. like you were able to put in a lot of knowledge so I really appreciate you for doing that taking the time to come out here if our audiences want to tap into your brain a little more where can they find you and uh, how can they connect with you yeah um, so my primary kind of role you can find me at uh, ARC by Pivotal Physio that's kind of where we're, kind of where we're located inside Evolve Strength downtown we have a couple other locations as well um, but also online I have my own kind of website and my blog and video so um, www.flowperformancepsych.com so flowperformancepsych.com um, Instagram is a good place as well so Marek M-A-R-E-K-T as in Thomas K-U-M-A-R R-E-K-T Comer um, so hit me uh, you know like there or follow me that's great um, but no you guys are doing awesome stuff so keep doing what you're doing focus on that process and thank yeah. you so much get, to get that message out I mean this is this is amazing thing that we need this more often yeah right to get people to that second floor right so I love yeah. that I, love it. I, I just want to end like what is second floor really kind of, I want to get dive deeper into what that means for you guys like what is second floor so uh, well I'll touch base on a little bit when I, when I when I first thought of the idea and I brought it to you know Kenny and Yusuf it was more so you know, uh, it's it's such a simple metaphor. You know, going to the second floor. You know, and and, and it and it touches on all aspects of life, of uh, you know, of self improvement, trying to get to the next level, um, and just um, basically touching on all aspects of life. And um, and you know, it, it really didn't evolve in, at first into you know bringing on guests and 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 putting you know YEG out on a spotlight and ha- having people here. It just kind of sort of evolved as we were brainstorming ideas. Um, while we were talking and you know we decided it, it would be beautiful to bring on people who are doing amazing things in their respective fields uh, and, and see where they're kind of headed um, to the next level in their own respective fields and what they're doing for other people so it just kind of evolved into that so uh, these guys can yeah I mean essentially when we when we came up with it it was that's basically we didn't know what direction it would take we didn't know what um, what we were going to do with the second floor, we just had the idea of like, okay, you know, we want to elevate our life. We want to get to the next level. And um, essentially, this will give us a, a spot to like come together and discuss and put our ideas out. And then bringing on people like yourself just, you know, absolutely blows our brains out because it's like it teaches us so much more from a different point of view. And, um, and so, yeah, that's essentially what it is. It's just getting our audience, getting everybody in this room to that second floor. Yeah. Of course. No, I, I completely resonate with the co-host here. Is It's simply about elevation for me and the way I look at it, right? Mm-hmm. Is you are able to look at things from a higher ceiling. You're also able to see um, certain people's perspectives, right? You, you can't do that until you take a, a step up or you take a step out of the situation. So for me, second floor is quite neat because you're, you're, you're going above the surface and then you're able to see how much more potential someone you're bringing out has, right? Like for us, it's it's not even just about the audience, it's, it's about the guests. Mm-hmm. It's about let, letting them come in and realize that, hey, I specialize in something and I'm good at it and I'm being chosen in the city of Edmonton to be the go-to person to speak about it, mm-hmm. right? So I hope you understand as a guest, Mark, we, we wouldn't want to fathom the idea right now of bringing on another sports psychologist or, or another sports consultant related to it. 
like no offense to anybody else, but working within our network, we're finding the right person to speak on mm-hmm. that matter. And then, you know, on to the next person who, who specializes in something else entirely. So that way people can, one, in our city, see that, hey, there's someone in our city we have access to that we can go to for these kind of things, right? So from the marketing perspective, it's, it's yeah. unique because it allows that person to share their voice. And secondly, it, it allows an audience to realize that, hey, they're speaking about something that I strongly resonate with, and I'm willing to go up the second floor to hear about it. Mm-hmm. 100%. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm humbled to be on here. Thanks so much, guys. Keep doing the great work. No yeah. problem. Thank you for yeah, being here, man. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. Yeah. We hope you continue to you know, go on the journey of pursuing, uh, mastering the mental game, oh, yeah. and we look forward to seeing how well you end up accomplishing that. Thank so. you so much. Yeah. All right. Thank you, my friend. Second floor. Second floor. Second floor is a wrap. Second floor, baby. That's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. um,